0: We welcome you inside the booth. Tanner Hoops with you Wednesday afternoon. Glad that you're with us for the sports SportsPen on ESPN-UP. John Michael Hoefling from ABC10 in studio with me. Fresh off an exhilarating victory for San Jose oh, Sharks last night. How you feeling yeah. today? Oh,
1: dude. Oh my gosh. That was the greatest game I've ever seen. Feeling good? Feeling so good. <laughs> Tell I, you what. I had a bottle ready. To, to celebrate game seven, it was gonna turn into a misery because they were down three nothing and it turned into a celebra- it was it was a roller coaster of emotions.
0: It was a lot of fun. I was I blame them for my lack of sleep because I tried to go to bed early. It was a little after midnight, that's early mm-hmm. for me. And then I get in bed and I start seeing all these tweets and I'm like, Well, I better pull this up so I get the NBC app and I just start watching on my phone all the way through. I could not believe what I was watching was that where does that rank among best game sevens of all time
1: that's the best that 's the best game i've ever seen
0: that's up there i mm-hmm. mean I, I it's hard to think of a better one off the top of my head
1: it's incredible. there were so many times I was going there were so many people I was texting because like i 'm from the area, so I have a lot of sharks fans mm-hmm. friends and we were all talking about how oh it's over it's three nothing. I have a theory too well, not a theory but like a speculation but mm-hmm. Game started at ten. I had to show at ten, which means I wasn't. I couldn't watch the game for the first thirty minutes, and they score within those first thirty minutes. I'm like, Crap, all right. So I, I come back. I turn the game on. They nothing happens. In fact, the Sharks were dominating time possession and everything. I leave for my eleven o'clock show. They score again. The Knights do. It's two nothing. So then I'm like, all, all right, geez, all right. I stay till the end of the second period. I stay at ABC ten till the end of the second period. N- nothing happens. Sharks are dominating again. So then as soon as it ends, I book it home because I'm like, all right, every time I watch, the Sharks do well. I book it home. I miss the first three minutes of the third period. Knights score again when I'm not watching. As soon as I turn off my TV and start, like, writing tweets and whatnot, they score again. (laughs) Tie it up.
0: (laughs) My other theory, you might have something to it, (laughs) but my other theory is that having a five-minute major power play helped.
1: Yeah, that did help. <laughs> say what you want. That, that shouldn't have been a five-minute
0: major. No, it probably shouldn't have, and you know, I'm credit for admitting that. Yeah,
1: I will say, due to the severity, like sometimes you need to call a five-minute major because of the severity. Like, it reminds me of back in 2011, uh, March 3rd, March 3rd, 2011, Zdeno Chara hit Max Pacioretty back when he, back when he was on the Canadiens into the center glass. And it was just like a, he was road hogging a little bit, just trying to get an advantage on a puck that was going down the ice. But because of how it ended up, he hits his forehead on center ice, knocks him out cold. There was nothing wrong with that, but because of what happened, Mm -hmm. you need need to do something about it. You can't just sit there and be like, I mean, it was clean. So Um, a five-minute major, maybe not, but a two-minute penalty I think would have been fine.
0: I think it looked a lot worse in real time to the officials' credit. And when it's a player like Pavelski, you're probably going to get a more severe penalty. If it was somebody like... Uh, Barkley Goodrow <laughs> yeah, Barkley Goodrow would be a good example At least before he scored the winner in overtime yeah. Last night uh, Then that might be something that calls for A less severe penalty At the same point though While it probably shouldn't have been a five minute major and a dejection on uh, Cody Eakin mm-hmm. At the same point you got to be better than giving up four goals in five minutes A man down
1: You ha- The Sharks were on a new level. They had something to fight for at that point. I thought the, the entire playoffs they were going to be fighting for Joe Thornton, and then they found the other Joe that they needed to fight for as soon as he went down. I don't know if he... Like, early reports are saying that it's not as bad as people were, seeing, as people were saying, or as bad as it seemed on TV, but I highly doubt he's going to be ready for round two. No. Maybe even the rest of the season.
0: i have got Colorado coming up. That could be a fun series. Colorado's kind of a young, upstart team.
1: I'd say the Sharks have the advantage. I'd say that the I'd Knights are, say lot, too. Are, are tougher than... Uh, I never thought Calgary was built for the playoffs. I thought they'd get past Colorado, but I didn't think they were built for the playoffs. And Colorado, I think, proved that. How
0: about Martin Jones the last three games of this series?
1: I still don't like him.
0: He flipped a switch, though. He was looking pretty good yeah, in overtime. Yeah,
1: he pulled Drake flipping the switch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable with him. You know, and there, there's a difference between somebody doing well and somebody having your confidence, right? Right. And Jones does not have my confidence.
0: He struggled, no doubt. The defensemen have done their job. You know, the stat yesterday that stood out to me was that San Jose is 21st in goals allowed, but second in shots on goal allowed. I mean, it tells me the defensemen are doing their job, but once a puck finds a net, it's usually going in. But, you know, they, they looked good in overtime I'll last give, night. I'll
1: give the Knights credit. They were getting shot. They weren't getting a lot of shots on goal compared to the Sharks, but they were getting way more chances. It seemed mm-hmm. like, whereas the Sharks were just like throwing stuff at the net, which is what they do. The Knights were doing rink-wide passes to the other side to try to like make the Sharks' defense move, and it was looking good in terms of the Knights' offensive efficiency.
0: Tell you what, I love Tomas Hurdle. That guy has been a baller in this quarterfinal. I, I don't know, pucker sounds worse, but
1: the, the comedic. Trio of him, Joe Thornton, and Brent Burns is off the charts. Mm-hmm. I lo- they're like three different age groups. You got the ageless wonder Joe Thornton. You got, you know, just maybe past his prime but still sort of in it. Brent Burns and the up and comer Tomas Hurdle. I love them. Yeah, yeah. It's such a cool group. Yeah, th- I kind of wish Marlo was still there. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. they all sort of have the same energy that they bring that they bring to the table and the same sort of play style. Whereas Burns is. Uh, they're all sort of bigger guys And they're all really good with the stick I'd say that Hurdle's the best scorer But still I love what he brings to the table Him and Donskoy I think are the two young guys Him, Donskoy, and Melker Carlson yeah. I'd say are the three guys Who I would watch out for in the future There was like, really, like four
0: Carlson's on the ice last night Between William, the two teams
1: William, Eric, and Melker
0: Melker, okay, maybe three I don't know, maybe there was another one Either way, uh, Donskoy, you mentioned, they were without him, too, late in the game because of injury, and that's something that kind of got overlooked because of Pavelski's injury. Donskoy brings a lot to that team.
1: I, I like what Donskoy brings. He's like, uh, t- like you could hear the announcers last night talking a lot about Timo Meyer and mm-hmm. what, like how he's always a threat when he's on the ice. Yep. For me, Donskoy, and for a while back, Donskoy was on the line with a guy named Tommy Wingles. Yep. And they were always a threat, it seemed like. Every game, one of them would do something incredible. And then even before that, I think Wingles was on line with Scottie Nickel. And Scottie Nickel always seemed like he was doing something, so it's sort of like moved and progressed into that. But yeah, Donskoy, Pavelski going to be hard to miss, but in, in that sense, we can fight for Pavelski. We mm. can't really fight for Donskoy. So missing Donskoy, I think, is going to hurt a little bit more than missing Pavelski, which is like a weird take. If Leonidas went down in the Battle of 300, he's a martyr, and his Spartans fight for him. You
0: know? <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in years. And neither have I. It's been a while.
1: That's the first analogy that came to my it's head. It's a good movie, though. Yeah, great movie.
0: Tell you what, uh, the San Jose squad and what they went through coming back from being down 3-1, be honest, did you think it was over after Game 4?
1: Because of Jones, yes. <laughs> <laughs> a very like I didn't want to. Every year when the playoffs come around, I'm always like, oh, this is the Sharks' year. Yeah. Because they always seem like a team that's built for a championship. Mm -hmm. But I knew going into the first round, going up against the Knights, who have just, in the last two seasons, have been one of those teams that never ceases to lose to the Sharks or Mm -hmm. never ceases to do poorly. So I thought this was going to be their toughest matchup. I I think right now, I, I thought going into the playoffs, St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis, Vegas, and Nashville were the three teams that I thought could beat the Sharks in the Western Conference. Mm -hmm. And now two of them have been eliminated, so I'm feeling good.
0: (laughs) Tell you what, last night the Sharks became just the second team in NHL history to overcome a three-goal third-period deficit in Game 7 and win. The only other team to do it? The two thousand thirteen Bruins in the Eastern Conference quarterfinals when they played Toronto. Speaking of which, Bruins take yeah. down Toronto last night to move on. A five one victory. And the Bruins become the first team in NHL history to beat the same team in consecutive years in first round seven game series.
1: It's a great it's a great rivalry. It's, yeah. it's blossomed into a great rivalry. Mm-hmm. And I feel really good because I only predicted two seven game series in the first round this year. The Sharks And the Bruins. Not bad. Yeah.
0: Not bad. We get treated to a third tonight.
1: Yeah, I I did not predict this one. I thought the Caps would win in five. I didn't either, to be fair. If the Canes win, this this postseason will be so topsy-turvy.
0: There will be no defending champion, no President's Trophy champion, no Crosby, no Patrick Mm -hmm. Kane. No one-seeds. Yeah. Yeah. What's going to be the storyline?
1: The biggest hockey fan I know, the biggest hockey fan I've ever seen, he... Collects hats. He can name everybody's jersey number. He has a perfect bracket. Mm. In a sense, it's 100% wrong right now. He has every single pick wrong right now in his bracket, and I that just goes to show like how crazy the, this postseason has been. And I'll, uh, that's something to say about the NHL's parody. Is you never know who's going to win in the NHL. In the NBA, it's like why do we even have eight teams in the postseason? The top four are going to advance. Every year, maybe a five-seed will get into the second round, but mm-hmm. most of the time, it's one through five. Why do we even have eight teams? But in the NHL, anybody can do it, and I love that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So it's a perfectly imperfect bracket for the hockey expert. Mm-hmm. This is one of those postseasons where it's probably better to not know about hockey if you're going to fill out a bracket. Yeah,
1: exactly. In, in fact, the one person we did a bracket at ABC10, and the one person who doesn't know anything about sports, Jordan Golkus, was the only person to pick Columbus to beat Tampa Bay.
0: Well, I tell you what, when you look at tonight's Game 7 between Carolina and Washington, that game in D.C., do we even look at the numbers and try to rely on that? Because it seems like you throw everything out the window. Got big offense from Washington, strong defense from Carolina. I don't know which one to necessarily... Go with one side or the other. I tried making a pick yesterday. I thought Toronto was going to win because Boston can't stay out of the box, and they proved me wrong. I don't know who to go with in tonight's matchup. What do you think? I
1: don't know. Whoever wants it more, right? Whoever seems like they want it more. And seeing as how the Caps just won a cup, OV, maybe maybe this year's going to be like their hangover season where they just don't meet expectations. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go Kings.
0: Going Canes, all Going right. Kane. I would say if it does come down to who wants it more, I would think it would be the Canes. You know, they've been that team that's gone with the big celebrations. If the Caps hadn't won a cup last season, I would probably give the edge to them in the sense that they want it more. One of the biggest stats that jumps out to me is the penalty kill. Carolina eighty-two percent, eighth in the NHL. Washington seventy-nine percent, twenty-fourth.
1: The Sharks went four for, or went five for twenty-nine in their. In their power play opportunities in their series with the Sharks, and they had one of the, in their series with the Knights, and they had one of the best power plays in the league coming into that series. So, That's uh, the
0: thing; you can't take yeah. anything away from the numbers. Literally, yeah. you take everything, you just
1: throw it out the window. The, yeah, the Sharks were better in penalty kill; they were better in power play, but had worse, but had worse special teams throughout the entirety of the series. Nobody's going to know what to say.
0: I will feel bad for TJ Oshie if the Caps lose tonight. I like him. He's about the only one in the Caps that I do like. You don't like Ovechkin. Mm, I like Ovechkin. I have a professional respect for Ovechkin. <laughs> you know, he's kind of the anti-Crosby, so I kind of have that oh that rivalry right. yeah, thing that, for him. That's why I that's... cannot stand Tom Wilson. He's my least oh, favorite athlete in all the professional sports.
1: I said earlier this week that I think Ovechkin's might be the most likable guy in sports. I get why you don't like him. because Well, I like him. It's it.
0: just, you know, I do like him. You know, I, I don't dislike him. I've got a professional respect for him. I think he'd be fun to party with. You saw what he was yeah, like yeah, with yeah. the cup.
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's just like he's got no front teeth. I know. He, but he still smiles super wide. Like, I don't know. Every time I see him, I'm just like, aw.
0: Ovechkin is Russian for party animal.
1: <laughs> Man, very true.
0: <laughs> I think Alex Ovechkin. Who would you rather party with? Gronk or Ovi? It's a tough one. That's line. tough. There's yeah. a language barrier with Ovechkin. <laughs> uh, he still speaks English, doesn't he?
1: I feel like Gronk would be I feel like. Okay, here's the thing. I feel like Gronk would be the life of the party, right? Right. He would take everything away from you. But Ovechkin, you could party with. And he'd be like the guy who'd like try to do stuff with you and try to expand your popularity, you know? Mm-hmm. Try to make it less about himself, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't think Gronk is a self-centered guy. I mean, he, he played with the GOAT and never really, like, failed to say that Brady was the GOAT. But Gronk is, when it comes to partying, I think Gronk is going to always take the attention to him.
0: Tell you what, Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling in the studio with you. We owe you a timeout when we come back. Damian Lillard called game. NBA Playoff Roundup next in the Sportsman on ESPN-UP.
1: Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Lillard dribbling at the center jump circle against Paul George. Anything deep three. Way off and in! Way off the three-point line! Lillard with zeros on the clock has won it! He's won it! He's won it! Franklin has won the series! On a buzzer beater from above 40 feet. Lillard with a new franchise, career high, and record for points in a playoff game. The review at the table confirms the game winner for Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers.
0: Go crazy, Rip City. NBA playoff update. Five tickets punched. Three teams down to their final game trying to keep their season alive. Damian Lillard. Exclamation mark on a great night of basketball last night. Calls game, pulls up from 37 feet, and sends the Thunder home. I didn't watch it live. I don't think you did either. Nope. We were watching hockey, yep. but uh, but wow, what a shot. And Lillard is one of those guys that is, he's kind of like, you know. tell me if I'm wrong with this, I think of him like John Tavares in the NHL. Not quite a household name, but he probably should be.
1: I'd say that he's less... He He's more underrated than Tavares. Would you? Because the NBA is more of a superstar-driven league, I'd say, than the NHL, mm-hmm. where you have guys like Steph Curry, James Harden, Russell Westbrook just taking over the league. But then you have guys like Dane Lillard, who will never, ever start an All-Star game because of those guys. Whereas John Tavares, he's going to get like the recognition by the fans to like be voted to an All-Star game. He'll get some MVP votes. Lillard will never get that because he's in Portland mm-hmm. and... He's in a a day and age where the Warriors are arguably one of the best dynasties of all time. The Rockets set all sorts of scoring records. Giannis onto the Kumpo and his crazy hand sizes break Shaq's record for dunks. So Lillard will never get the respect he deserves, and I think that that's what motivates him and makes him a great player.
0: I like Lillard a lot, and Uh I like McCollum too, and I think McCollum... Could be the face of certain franchise. Like if you put him in Phoenix right now, yep. they would go absolutely nuts. They would be doing backflips if a guy like McCollum was there. I
1: think McCollum is good enough to lead an offense, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But he would need to be in a system with a good point guard at the same time, but right. not a scoring point guard. Put him on L.A. <laughs>
0: I tell you what, you're a Warriors guy. Tell me what you think about this. I said it on the show yesterday. I don't think Houston is built to beat Golden State. I think they're going to get by Houston. We'll give them a good series, but I don't see them beating them. Portland, I think, is the team with the best chance really? to beat Golden State. Well,
1: what I about Portland so. do you think it scares you more than Houston? Their
0: length, their ability to play defense better than Houston can. Houston is going to try to outscore their opponent. That's what they do. Is they Defense is somewhat optional for them. They will try to get into a shootout, into a scoring matchup with you. And that's just not going to work against Golden State. You've got to play at least some level of defense. I think Patrick Beverly, on a smaller scale, laid out a foundation for that, laid out a model for it. I think Portland is the team with the actual length and the personnel to actually execute that while still being able to score at the same point.
1: I just don't see anybody who'd be capable of guarding Kevin Durant on Portland.
0: No, but you take away a few of the role pieces. I mean, Durant's going to get his, just mm-hmm. like McCollum and Lillard are going to get theirs gonna get into a little bit of a shootout with them but I still think Portland's gonna play defense better than Houston is
1: yeah yeah I would agree with that Portland is way better defensively but at the same time I mean who's the Rockets GM I can't remember his name but he gave a quote where he said we have built this team specifically to beat the Warriors and if they can't do that I don't think anybody else has like made it their goal in the season to defeat the Warriors so I think if and if the Rockets can't do it, I don't think any other team in the West can.
0: Well, that's what USA Hockey said a couple of years ago about Canada, member in the Hockey World Cup. They said <laughs> this team specifically built to beat Canada and didn't work out. Yeah. I don't see this being the Rockets here. I think the Warriors are going to end up beating them. I'd say probably six games, maybe seven. But Damn. I think Portland would be the team with the best chance in the Western Conference to take down Golden State.
1: I'll say if Portland gets by. Probably Denver. I mean, San Antonio has a, pretty, has a, has a chance still. Mm-hmm. But if Portland gets by Denver or San Antonio in four, five games and it goes six or seven with the Warriors, you throw in maybe uh, a tired or slightly injured Steph Curry, that could be a problem. I mean, I mean, I've said this all before on your show before, but if Kevin Durant is out, I still think the Warriors have the advantage. Steph Curry is the heart and soul of that team. If you can get to him, you can get through the Warriors.
0: Tell you what, you mentioned Denver, and it looks like they may have figured out the Spurs. Does Denver end up winning the series, or does San Antonio come back and win two straight?
1: I think they end up winning the series. Denver? Yeah, yeah, In terms of the NBA postseason, it always comes down to who's got the best player. If you don't, and if you have two, a seven-game series always arises out of two teams that have their top player at a similar level in skill and supporting players at a similar level of skill. If you have a top player who is way better than the other team's top player, that top player is going to shine, and it's going to be a five-game series. But if you have two players that are really close to one another, but the supporting role of one team is way better, five, four or five-game series. But if you have equal-equal, seven-game series. That's what Denver and San Antonio brings to the table. San Antonio doesn't have as good as supporting roles, but their coaching fills that, and you have LaMarcus Aldridge, Versus Nikola Jokic, I think they are very similar players, and it leads into a very good series, despite it being 2-7. People thinking Denver are going to take it in 4-5. I really like what San Antonio does. They have the experience, and yeah, they're proving it.
0: I tell you what, I give a ton of credit to Mike Malone and the job that he's done as Denver's head coach. I think if he wins a series, he will lock up Western Conference Coach of the Year. But this might be the best season Greg Popovich has had as a head coach. I said earlier, I think that whoever wins this series will end up getting Coach of the Year between Malone and Popovich. Would you agree? Would it be those two that would be the front runners
1: right now? Oh, yeah. 1,000%. Maybe I'd throw in um, Quinn Snyder from oh, the Utah okay. Jazz. Yeah. But the, 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 this season is kind of a wash compared to last season in terms of where they ranked. I mean, last year they came out of nowhere, and this year I said the Nuggets were going to come out of nowhere. I had them finishing fourth, and I had Mike Malone as my coach of the year. I like what Mike Malone has done. I think Mike Malone deserves it a little bit more than Popovich just because nobody expected anything out of the Nuggets, I feel like, before the season.
0: Well, I tell you what, you mentioned the Thunder, and I want to backtrack a little bit to them. At what point does trying to make Russell Westbrook, the face of your franchise, become a liability? Like, if he's the best player in your team, do you ever expect to get past the first round of the playoffs? Can a team led by Russell Westbrook do that? No. No.
1: You know what's crazy? He wasn't the best player on their team this year.
0: Well, he was kind of the face of the
1: franchise. Yeah, he's still the face of the franchise. But, but you're right, Paul George was I'd the best say, player. I'd say that Russell Westbrook's he he adapted this year. He took a step back and allowed Paul George to do his thing for the most part. A team that has Russell Westbrook and wants Russell Westbrook to be a part of the offense I don't think can go anywhere. It's going to turn into that sort of system with uh, Rondo, where as soon as Rondo stepped into the light ahead of the big three in Boston, it was just all sort of downhill from there. And you ship Rondo out, and then things start to build back up, and I feel like the same sort of thing is happening with... Russell Westbrook. I like Westbrook as a player in terms of what he can do, but at the same time, his players have gone on to say yeah, we we, we pad his stats because he'll get frustrated if he doesn't. It reminds me of a couple of years ago the New York Jets mm. were under fire because I think their backup quarterback got so frustrated because people were more worried about individual stats than team wins, and I think that Westbrook is falling on into that category too.
0: He's so talented, but so headstrong. He got into... Somewhat of a one on one kind of vendetta situation against Damian Lillard in this series. And I almost feel like Lillard was baiting him. I talked about it a little bit on the show last week. Lillard basically wanted this series to be a scoring contest between him and Russ. And Lillard's a better score, especially an outside shooter. Mm-hmm. He's better in that category. And he was trying to lure Russ into one of those, basically a shooting contest. That is like Coca Cola and Chevy. Trying to see who can make a better car. (laughs) Trying to get into a shooting contest against Damian Lillard if your name is Russell Westbrook.
1: Don't underestimate Coke. You think they they can make a better car than shit? No, 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 no. (laughs) But that's just the thing. When you have a player that is the face of your franchise with that attitude problem, that's why DeMarcus Cousins never worked out with the Kings. That's why Mm -hmm. he never worked out in New Orleans either. And that's why when he goes to Golden State, he's not the face of the franchise. No matter how well he does, it's going to be Steph. It's going to be KD. It's going to be Clay. And it's and it's still sort of working out. It's not going to work out. He needs to go to a team where he is a bona fide second fiddle. You think he would like playing with LeBron? No, I don't think he'd like it. But if any player in the NBA can convince Russell Westbrook that he is not the man, yeah. it's going to be LeBron. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Maybe, maybe Zion, I don't know. Like in a couple <laughs> of years, I don't know.
0: Tell you what, uh, they have somewhat of a big three in Oklahoma City right now between Paul George, Russell Westbrook, And Steven Adams, if you want to throw him in there. Sure. Do they bring all three of them back next season?
1: You have to. If you're the Thunder, you have to. Because if you don't bring them back, it'll seem like you're taking a step backwards. And this Mm -hmm. is a team that a couple years ago was in the NBA Finals and couldn't make it. But they've made it back to the playoffs. (laughs) and continually have either an MVP caliber player or a strong season in terms of wins. If they don't have those same things, those same tools that they're bringing back next season, it's going to look like a step backwards. If you ask me, ship out Westbrook. Either ship out Westbrook or bring in somebody that can control Westbrook.
0: Paul George's comments last night after the game. I mean, that's a bad bad shot. I care what anybody says. That's a bad shot. But, hey, he made it. That story won't be told that it was a bad shot. Um, We live with that. It wasn't a great shot yeah, but, but, selection. Yeah. Like if he missed it, anyone other than it your top Chino, player, yeah, you'd Ch- be
1: pretty upset. Chino Hill's offense, right there. But
0: he knew he was going to make it. Yeah, that's the imagine, thing, and I love
1: that. Imagine if Seth if Seth Curry took that shot, yeah, and missed. Seth Curry, not Steph, not not Se- And I not know that's Steph. what you said. I just want to clarify Se- yeah, that. Seth. If Seth Curry took that shot, <laughs> woo!
0: <whoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. laughs> yeah, you have He's to not, make it if you are going to yeah. shoot that.
1: Yeah, I don't not, care how good you are. You got to make it. The fact that it was a tie game mm-hmm. helps Lillard out in that case, mm-hmm. sort of defends Lillard. But, I mean, he ha- I will say one thing. That shows a lot of self-confidence, and I, and I like that. Mm-hmm. And as long as that self-confidence doesn't turn into arrogance, it'll be fine. Right. As long as he doesn't go on Twitter and say, Oh my gosh, you guys see my shot, it was crazy. And he's not doing that. So I, I like it.
0: I thought it was a lot of fun to see. He didn't even try to go to the basket; like he just let the clock wind down to two seconds, pull up from thirty-seven feet, and just let it fly. And oh, then he makes it. Over, I love prob- it
1: over the probable Defensive Player of the Year, mm-hmm. who's way taller than him.
0: Gosh, it's not like so he was good. wide open. I mean, he was being guarded. And he just lets it fly, cans it, and sends Oklahoma City home. And then the wave mm-hmm. afterwards—that was great. Mm-hmm. Waves goodbye to the Thunder.
1: Dame is developing into he, as we said. Or, as you said, he is a superstar, but <laughs> he doesn't have the personality to be the superstar. Right. Yeah.
0: Tanner Hoops, John Michael, hopefully with you. Glad you're with us. We owe you another timeout. When we come back, Beast Mode announces retirement number two one day before the NFL draft. Plus, Jason Kidd interviewing for a head coaching job will tell you where next in the sports pen at ESPNUP.
1: Thunder get an early exit which is not what they expected but they did it Frank the Gentleman behind an epic night from Damian Lillard Damian Lillard took this team put it on his back and just had an epic evening, takes them to the win. Damian Lillard was shot out of a cannon in this game. If you, like, if you watch the rest of the game, you're not all that surprised by the shot that he ended up taking to finally put the dagger and the nail in the coffin because he was unconscious to start this game. Yeah, he was. He took 33 shots to Lillard. McCollum took 19, the only two in double digits. They took 52 shots of the 96 for those two teams, but it was Damian Lillard the entire night, 18 three-pointers. I think a lot of people are looking at Portland and seeing how well they're playing so this team could get to the western conference finals as we all watch what we thought was going to be the conference finals with houston and with golden state again of which i'm picking houston check out the up's live and local sports talk show the sports pen weekday afternoons at four on espn up and on the espn up app
0: welcome back to the sports pen on espn up danner hoops john michael Hoefling, with you here's your sports center update Nevada baseball swept a non-conference doubleheader against second-ranked and defending national champion Oregon State yesterday. That included a 13-inning walk-off in Game 1. The Pittsburgh Steelers have inked quarterback Ben Roethlisberger to a two-year extension. He now has three total years on his current contract. And finally, a Wisconsin man has set his fifth Guinness World Record. He went to see the movie Captain Marvel 116 times. The previous record was 103. What possesses somebody to do that?
1: Wanting to be a Guinness World Record holder I guess But Some, Something came over me just the other day Where uh, I saw the record for fastest hole of golf mm. By a team of four mm-hmm. Where it's like one person takes a shot As soon as it lands the second person can take a shot mm. and 27 seconds Immediately texted it to my group chat Hey guys, we got to do this. So sometimes you just get that—you just get that itch to want to set a world record. Are any of you
0: golfers? oh uh, yeah, I'm golf. Okay.
1: I, I, I wouldn't say I'm bad. I mean, I've shot under a hundred on the pro course, so <laughs> you know, only a plus twenty. <laughs> how
0: expensive would that be to go see a movie 116 times? And he had to do it. Like, how long ago did Captain Marvel come oh. out? Like a month?
1: Yeah, I don't know. uh Maybe he became a. A regular, and they started giving him discounts. It,
0: it could have been. Maybe Guinness funded it. All in all, he spent over 12,000 minutes at the movie theater. I you
1: were going to say dollars.
0: Uh, he probably did, it in probably. all likelihood. Uh, again, that's his fifth world record that this guy holds. His others include running a half marathon while wearing the most number of shirts and being the fastest person ever to drink a liter of gravy. 72 seconds.
1: Oh
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that.
1: I actually had a friend back in high school who set the record for fastest two-liter Gatorade chug. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. His name was Brendan Ergus, I believe. I feel
0: like I could have set a record if I had somebody to witness it. You don't want to get in a staring contest with me, because I can stare for a long time, as bad as Oh, that yeah, sounds. I know. You've
1: been staring the, the, this whole show. <laughs> I'm joking. i
0: joking. I can go without blinking. My record, my personal record is 30 minutes, so... You know, if you want to you, you you, challenge me. You've
1: gone 30, do you squint or something? No. You, you can just go 30 minutes. Yep,
0: I just go 30 minutes. I <laughs> okay. cannot drive for like eight hours after I do it, though, so i got to make sure I'm at a place I know I'm going to be for a long time. Yeah, it's uh
1: Okay, do you like doing do it else. before you go to sleep? No. Okay.
0: That could be a good idea, though. Yeah. yeah, I did it at a volleyball game one time when I was in high school, and that's where I set the record, and, you know, probably wasn't smart, but I was in high school.
1: We did it. I feel like I could set the. I feel like I could set the world record for most consecutive like joint cracks. Oh
0: no! Yeah, it's,
1: it's thirty-two. I've looked it up several times. I can crack each one of my fingers three times. That's thirty right there.
0: Oh, I think I might have you beat, though.
1: You what? Oh
0: yeah. I tell you what. I just won patient of the month at my chiropractor, which I don't even <laughs> know. If, I don't know if that's a brag. Is that is that something you can feel good about, or is it a bad thing that well, you're there? So it depends much.
1: on why what comes with the title like why did they give you that title
0: oh they said thank you so much for being part of our family and i thank them for helping me feel better uh Uh dr mike dr bethany and heather and all those at my chiropractor office uh it was great because they gave me a prize with they gave me a coffee mug an ice pack was in the mug and then some of those little white evergreen mints like the lifesaver i don't know what they're called but they're really good Uh the doctor called them adjustments
1: it was I, really good. I, I love that. That was great, wasn't what, it? Was there anything on the mug, like anything yeah. written? Yeah, oh, it was. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
0: Uh, it was their address and their you know business. It was a oh, business. I, called, thought, I mug. hoped it
1: would be something like you cracked the case or something.
0: Uh, either way, I don't know. We could that could be a Twitter question. Is it a brag to be impatient of the month at your chiropractor? I'd, I'd say so. I didn't even know they did that until Monday. Like,
1: I, um, it's just why did they give it to you? Just because like you were kind to them, or is it because like? Holy moly, you were easy to adjust. I, uh, that's what
0: I'm telling you is that I could probably set the record if I really wanted to.
1: So you can, can you crack each of your fingers three yeah. times? Yeah. Okay. All right.
0: I've got like loose connective tissue, so it's really <laughs> easy, I tell you what. Uh, we could go into a whole thing on that at some yeah. point, but uh, no, we've got Marshawn Lynch who announced his retirement for the second time in his career mm-hmm. earlier this morning, and he does it one day before the draft. So now Gruden and Mayock are looking for a running back, presumably in the first round tomorrow night.
1: Are they? I think they are. I think they still need to go pass rush. You think so? Without, without Khalil Mack. Okay. Absol- absolutely. Doug Martin and Jalen Rashard, I think, are fine. Are they? going to be fine as a one-two punch in Oakland.
0: I tell you what, I've had Doug Martin on my fantasy team, and I keep giving him chance after chance, and I would not be ready to make him my number one running back just yet.
1: No, he's not a number one guy. I think Rashard's going to take over those duties. He's more of a pass-catching back, too, than Doug Martin. I mean, there are worse duos out there. Right. Yeah. I would say so. I would say you need more of a receiver and tight end, because now that Amari Cooper and Jared Cook are both gone, than then, then a running back in this day and age of football.
0: Yeah, but you did get Antonio Brown.
1: Yeah, you did get Antonio Brown, but you need more than just that threat. Like, think of all the best teams in the league right now. Mm-hmm. The the Chiefs, the Patriots. I, I've thought about this before, and what I've noticed is it's always a one receiver, one really great receiver, And one really great tight end. Mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Julian Edelman and Gronkowski, which, you know, they're not going to have anymore with Gronk retiring and whatnot. Who uh, who else was there that I noticed this about? Uh, There was Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz. And those are the teams that sort of get a really long way in the playoffs in terms of offensively. It's just, oh, focus on this one guy, but, hey, we also got this big guy that can outsize, that can outspeed linebackers but outsize... Corners and safeties. I don't know. I, I think receivers are overrated. Having two great receivers, I don't think is important as having a good tight end. For they're going to pick probably Josh Allen or Quinn Williams, whichever right. one is available. Right.
0: You know, if they have a, they have a couple of guys out of Alabama that will probably still be there, mid to late first round. I don't feel uh, good
1: about Alabama running backs. If you don't? Oh, yeah, I mean, look at, like, Trent Richardson was supposed to be the guy. He never amounts right. to Right. They just get worked so much in college. I feel like when they get to the NFL, they don't have anything left in the tank.
0: How about Miles Sanders out of Penn State? If he's still there late in the first round, would you take him if you're Oakland?
1: Yeah, I would, yeah. I would, I would take Sanders. Um, I, I like Penn State guys in terms of running back. I mean, look <laughs> what Saquon Barkley turned into. <laughs> but uh, I think that he would sort of be a Sony Michelle type for Oakland. Which mm-hmm. is exactly what they need. Okay. Somebody who's not going to steal the spotlight from Antonio Brown because Antonio Brown needs the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, I didn't think he was a diva when they signed him, but I guess he is. And really? Yeah, I, I, I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I, I talked about it with you. I, yeah. I, didn't think, I didn't think there was a problem with it. Okay. But yeah. I think he fit really well into that system, especially what, Gruden's system.
0: What about someone like Daryl Henderson from Memphis? Guy, I want to watch out for is David Montgomery out of Iowa State.
1: I don't know enough about those guys. Okay. I, I, I've looked a lot. I've looked a little bit at the running backs. I've looked more so at tight ends and de- defensive ends because covering the Packers and Lions. Now, right. Yeah. What do the Lions do? Number eight overall tomorrow night. They take the best defensive end available. Do they? Rashawn okay. Gary, I think, is a guy. If they can't get Rashawn Gary, probably Devin White out of LSU. You think yeah. that
0: Gary's still going to go that high with his labral tear?
1: I I think he deserves it. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I think that the first two going to be taken off the board in terms of defensive ends are Nick Bosa, and. Uh, Josh Allen. Okay. And I think there's a heavy possibility that 2, 3, and 4 are all defensive ends as well. But that means and Williams falls to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 5.
0: Give me yes or no. Two of the top six will be quarterbacks.
1: No. No. Giants are not going to take a quarterback.
0: I'm starting to get that feeling they're not going to either. At least not at number if, six if, overall. And
1: if they are not going to take a quarterback, they need to go after Josh Rosen or Andy Dalton or somebody.
0: Oh, jeez. What? No. Why? I don't go after those two. I don't like those two.
1: I like Josh Rosen. I know
0: you do, but I don't. I just
1: don't see
0: the upside give, to you him. You give
1: Josh Rosen, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, and Sterling Shepard?
0: Yeah, but you put him behind a rickety fence of an offensive line. Yeah, but
1: you give him Pat Shermer. Yeah, but Pat Shermer's you a quarterback still have a coach. bad offensive line. Pat Shermer's a quarterback coach. This day and age, as long as you have a guy who can make pre-snap adjustments and can move outside the pocket, which Josh Rosen can. I'd say in all of last year's class, he's the best at pre-snap adjustments. Uh, you'll be all right behind the bad offense. Look at Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has not had a good offensive line. He is one, consistently one of the least sacked quarterbacks. Yeah, but he's,
0: he's a better runner than Rosen. I mean, he... Rosen's not slow, but he's not Russell Wilson.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: I mean, he, he's... Not a scrambler. You know, he's a good pocket passer. That's why I'm worried about the Giants taking Dwayne Haskins, because he's not known for his ability to scramble. Can he scramble? Sure. But what you saw in him at Ohio State, where he has time to throw the football, you're not going to get that if the New York Giants draft him.
1: Yeah, I I don't think that could be a problem. Somebody who can stick in the pocket but knows how to get out of it can be really, really good. I think it's better more so than a scrambler. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to have a really specific type of guy like Russell Wilson to have a guy who scrambles first, or Aaron Rodgers, I'd say, is also another guy who loves to go outside the pocket. But <laughs> somebody like Andrew Luck, who <laughs> prefers to stay in the pocket, but once he gets out, you forget how mobile he is and right. he can move. Or a guy like Alex Smith, who sticks in the pocket, consistently makes, t- makes good passes, but once he gets outside the pocket, he's arguably the second-fastest quarterback in the league. That's, it's, it's, a good, it's a good thing.
0: Did you see the Vikings general manager's wife said that if you draft another corner in the first round this year, don't come home? What? Mrs. Spielman wants Rick to draft offensive linemen and solve that need for the Vikings tomorrow night.
1: Yeah. I. I he kind of needs to. I, I kind of can't disagree with that. <laughs> Dalvin Cook needs some, needs some holes, man. Oh,
0: man. I mean, they've got a lot of talent at the skill position on both sides of the ball, but that offensive line is really bad. You mm-hmm. think the Giants have it bad? Vikings probably have it worse. The
1: offensive line is, is the three most important things in football, right? Mm-hmm. Quarterback, pass rush, offensive line. Mm-hmm. Because you need a quarterback to man- manage your offense, you need a pass rush to disrupt that manager of your offense, and you need an offensive line to protect that guy. Mm-hmm. It all revolves around the quarterback, right? Right. And, yeah, so an offensive line is a must-build for anybody who wants a chance in the playoffs.
0: Does Beast Mode stay in retirement this time? Yeah. Think so?
1: I think that, well, he stays in retirement, and I don't think he's going to play again. He, okay. I think he'll move to a position of player recruitment or player development, mm-hmm. but not as a player again.
0: Tell you what, uh, Jason Kidd interviewed with the Los Angeles Lakers this week. They are thinking about bringing him in to replace Luke Walton. I tell you what, uh, he's not that smart of a coach, let's be honest. I mean, I
1: don't think his personality would work either. In LA. I, I
0: think the personality would be the most attractive thing, actually, really, Because, you know, let's face it, he's not an X's and O's guys, And LeBron has never had one of those X's and O's coaches. You know, one of those genius head coaches. Yeah, and see, and even
1: those, if he, see how those coaches have worked out.
0: Well, the thing is, he... Even if he did have an X's and O's, like a really good basketball mind as his head coach, I don't think it would matter to LeBron
1: because you don't think if he had like Greg Popovich. It would- Pop
0: would be the only one that okay. I think could do it. But like a guy like Brad Stevens I'm thinking about, I don't think he has the personality to rein in LeBron. LeBron would still act like the coach in the floor. Maybe what you need is a boisterous personality, some guy to actually rein LeBron in. Can you need somebody with that kind of abrasive personality to do that if you got a player like LeBron who's essentially a player coach, he's a headstrong mm-hmm. guy. Jason Kidd is not going to coach up LeBron. He's not going to make LeBron smarter as his head coach. But he would stop LeBron from getting in his own way by keeping his ego in check. That's think, what I'd like about that. Do you think that.
1: LeBron's personality can be changed at this point? Uh, he, he's a little bit. He's older now at this point. There's not much more that can go to his head, I feel like. So I think it's worth the a shot. Well, you mentioned the Thunder. Like I feel like that would be a better fit for Jason Kidd if we're talking about trying to change a Brace. Of yeah, but they didn't interview him. They should, maybe. They maybe should. I get it if you can't win with uh, with Russell Westbrook as your guy, but then you get Paul George, and he's your guy now, and still you get bounced in the first round. Eventually it comes to a point, like Mark Jackson was great with the Warriors, but they, there was a point, hey, we're not winning with Mark Jackson. Get him out of there.
0: Why hasn't Mark Jackson been interviewed for any more coaching jobs? I would think there might still be a spot for him in the NBA.
1: I don't know. Maybe it could be the same sort of feeling as... Dwayne Casey with, mm-hmm. with the Raptors where, yeah, he was great, but he couldn't take that extra step, and no team thinks that they'll be able to take that extra step with Mark Jackson.
0: Let's um, just stop bringing back Ty Lu and just trying to make <laughs> LeBron work. Let's just let's let's just stop with that. Yeah. David Blatt's coaching in Greece. You want to call him up?
1: I don't, there, there aren't a lot of guys I think work in the NBA in terms of head coaches. I don't think Eric Spolstra ever worked. I think that no. was just the big three going at it. So, mm-hmm. it, You know, but once you find that guy, you got him for life, pretty much. I
0: will say, I do think that there is at least one other coach that is a smart coach who also has the personality that LeBron would respect, and that's Doc Rivers.
1: I don't think Doc Rivers is a good coach anymore. Really? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because he was a great coach in two thousand eight, but like didn't change with the times. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, it, for me, it all went downhill. Like I was in L.A. when all this was going down. It all changed the per- the persona around the aura of Clippers fans around Doc Rivers all changed when he opted to sign Austin Rivers instead of a small forward that they needed. Mm-hmm. That's when it all went down the uh, down the well. We'll mm-hmm. keep it PG.
0: Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad that you're with us. We owe you our last time out. When we come back, Brewers making some moves today. We're about one month into the MLB season. Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP.
1: Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Part of it feels is absolutely like they're desperado. we gotta, we got to go to Milwaukee, and Milwaukee needs Kimbrel. And again, get Kimbrell on that team. Hope the injuries, maybe it's a Tanaka deal. He can, he can still pitch through this. Who knows? But the point is, they need that aspect of their team to succeed. And even with that aspect, they were exposed last year in the postseason.
0: We'd like to wish a very happy Administrative Professionals Day to all those celebrating. You have a secretary back at ABC Ten. We do not. Oh well, I'm sort of like the secretary. Well, Happy that. Administrative Professionals Day. <laughs> I'm joking. I think that's what what Administrative Professional means. Basically, it's like a secretary. Correct me if I'm wrong, but
1: Admi- well, I don't know. It sounds like it could be you know a principal or a vice principal. You know,
0: I don't know. It sounds like the secretary for the principal or the vice principal.
1: Maybe. Either way.
0: I don't know. Either way, yeah. Uh, It is the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad to have you with us on your Wednesday afternoon. Brewers making a move today acquiring Gio Gonzalez they bolster the starting rotation I still think Gio has something left in the tank was let go by the Yankees earlier this year but I like this move for Milwaukee
1: Gio always has something left in the tank Yeah, you know? He's one of those guys who you know you, you might not know he was an All-Star once I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. back with the A's maybe or the, or the I think Nationals it was with
0: Washington yeah
1: okay but whenever he comes on a team he always brings something it's like Bartolo Colon yeah. Bartolo Colon you know is a little bit of a bigger name just because of who he is. But Gio Gonzalez is that guy. Always seems like he finds his way on the team and makes a serious impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a serious impact.
0: It seems like it's almost a cry for help when a team is signing somebody like Gio Gonzalez. Like the Yankees certainly were in trouble with their pitching rotation early on. That's why they got him. The Brewers, you know, they thought the bullpen was going to be their stronghold this year and that hasn't been the case early on they do need a little bit of help in the starting pitching rotation so maybe it is a cry for help that they're going out and trying to get uh some guy that's on his last legs declining in his career but at the same point I do like the signing I think he's got something to bring to the table
1: Mm -hmm. as long as you don't have anybody to fill that spot right now I think that Gonzalez is a little bit better than say Woodruff or um What's, what's his what's his name? Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns. Yeah. Okay. I think right now, I mean, you, st- you you by bringing him in it gives one of those guys or maybe even both of them, depending on who else you want to bring up, gives maybe both of them a little bit more time to develop in triple A or learn from somebody who's been in the show for so long now and maybe never, you know, got into the spotlight but could still teach people like how to handle pressure because he's been in pressure situations, he's been to the postseason, he's been to an all star game. So he knows he knows what it takes to succeed, and he knows what it takes to stay in the league.
0: Well, I tell you what, we are about a month into the MLB season. A lot of things that have been surprising me here early on. For one, Boston is in fourth place. Yep. The Brewers are in fourth place. Yep. But Boston is out of last in their division where they were sitting over the weekend. So mm-hmm. they're starting maybe to figure things out. The Yankees have... An injured list team that could probably contend for the playoffs, yeah. yet they're still thirteen and ten. A uh, Tampa Bay might be one of the most surprising stories in MLB this year.
1: It's surprising, but it's not too surprising. You mm-hmm. know? Like if if I don't know, the, the Texas Rangers were leading, I'd be freaking out. No, but the Tampa Bay Rays had the best ERA in baseball after the All Star game last year. Mm-hmm. They had, I think they had the best or the second best record after the All Star game too. So they were coming on at the end of the season. I. I I love the fact that they got Austin Meadows. I love Austin Meadows. He's great. And uh, I think he can actually lead an offense.
0: You have Tampa Bay leading the Yankees by two and a half games in the East right now. Toronto looks like they're figuring things out. They're 11 and 13. Then you have Boston and Baltimore, seven and seven and a half back, respectively, of first place in that division. Central is starting to play out, I think, kind of like a lot of people thought they would. The Twins are in first place, which happy about <laughs> then you have cleveland and detroit both a game and a half back chicago nine and 13 kansas city seven and 17 really not a lot surprises me there i knew the twins would be better this year they had a good offseason really?
1: even without eduardo escobar oh yeah okay.
0: yeah i thought they had a good offseason i thought they had a better offseason than anybody else nelson in that cruz division i like nelson cruz he's still got something left in the boomstick at age 39 Absolutely. seattle on top, half a game ahead of Houston, who's starting to figure things out after a slow start of 14-9. Houston,
1: Houston is still absolutely the favorite. They're Has number one out. on everybody's power rankings. They've got to be. Yeah.
0: And you've got Texas, Oakland's at five hundred. Poor Mike Trout. Still <laughs> with the Angels, 9-15, and 15, once again in last place.
1: I think that's good, like, for baseball. Think so? Just that a team can't pay one incredible player and have and win everything.
0: Uh, I Tell you what, looking over to the National League, I love the National League East because there are four teams who really could win the division, yep. and right now they're all separated by a game and a half. You have the Mets on top, Philadelphia's one game back, Atlanta at five hundred, Washington also one and a half back. Marlins are six out at 7-16, and 16 and oh boy, are the Marlins going to lose 105 games this year? What's the over-under on that?
1: I've, last year I thought they'd lose 110, 115. Mm-hmm. I thought they were that bad. But I mean Derek Dietrich and Brian Anderson have proved to be, you know, reasonable. I think Iranians have gonna have a more of a bounce back season. I don't know. I, I doubt they'll be the worst team in baseball this year. Baltimore.
0: Think Baltimore is gonna be again?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, St. Louis on top in the NL Central at fourteen and nine. They're a game ahead of the Pirates, two ahead of both the Cubs and the Brewers, and then Cincinnati at nine and thirteen. Although they're starting to play better baseball.
1: Yeah. I think this is the best division in baseball. Think so? The most thorough all the way around. I think each one of those teams has the star power, has the depth to win the division. I think the Reds have the least amount of depth, which mm-hmm. is why I mean, prior to the season, I picked them to come last. But if they were in any other division, they might, you know, be a, you know, an eighty-six win team, mm-hmm. which could be good enough for a wild card in some cases.
0: Dodgers on top in the NL West at fifteen and ten. They have a game and a half lead over Arizona. And San Diego, they. Shell out a bunch of money for an infield this offseason, and they are two games over 500. How about Colorado at 10-14? and 14? They're tied for fourth in the division with San Francisco, four and a half back. Yeah. Yeah, that's all you got about that. I mean, it sounds,
1: sounds about right. were they
0: prime call- for a step forward, though?
1: I thought call- they have no pitching. Well, yeah. Kyle Freeland was a fluke last year. Okay. Everybody knew that. John Gray is not anything, nobody thought John Gray like, everybody thought, oh, John Gray, he's a fireball thrower, which means he's going to be good. He mm-hmm. said he can't hit the strike zone. John Gray ain't anything. German Marquez ain't anything.
0: What's the biggest surprise from a player's standpoint? Is there anything that surprises you individually this season that you Christian didn't expect? He could? You didn't expect this from Yellich? No. Maybe not this dominance from Yellich?
1: Not at all. Christian Yellich is a great player. Yeah. I've, I, I've liked him as a player since he was in Miami. Mm-hmm. But he was never a run producer in Miami. He was never the guy to drive in the run. So I thought, oh, geez, he's going to have to take on a new role in Milwaukee. He's going to have to be the run producer. Took it swimmingly, and I thought, okay, you know, that's a good season, but, you know, maybe I think he's going to take a step back. Because I did a whole thing on how I think he's going to regress because he had a 35% home run to fly ball ratio last year. (laughs) No player since 2010 has had a a better than 30% fly ball uh, ratio and has returned to that since. So it just sort of seemed a little too good to be true in terms of his power numbers. But he is popping off. Yeah, He's going off the lid, and I I cannot explain it.
0: Although I'm a little worried about him because they've played the Cardinals the last couple of days and he still hasn't homered off him. He loves doing that. Oh, no,
1: that's so terrible. I know.
0: He was on pace for only, what, 84 as of this weekend? yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, he's a special player, and he looks like right now he's got to be the early favorite to repeat his MVP, but again, oh, way too yeah. early. I
1: was, him and Cody Bellinger, I think, are the only two that, like, are in everybody's mind as of right now, but I don't think Yelich is going to, he's not, there's no way he's going to keep up the street.
0: You think he's raised the bar too high for himself?
1: I think he's raised the bar too high. Uh, do I think he'll get more than 30 home runs this year? Absolutely. No, probably. yeah, he'll
0: probably get 45, I'd say.
1: You'd say 45?
0: I think he can get to 45.
1: I feel like that's a pretty big number for even Christian Yellen.
0: I don't know. He's got, what, 10 already, and we're not even to right, May? I think
1: he's got 13.
0: Something like that, yeah. yeah. He's already in double figures. So that's
1: the thing. How many of them, like, what was it? Nine of them have been against the Cardinals? Mm-hmm. It's just...
0: If he stays healthy, there's no reason he shouldn't hit 45 homers.
1: He's... I like him. <laughs> I like him. Don't get me wrong. But it just doesn't make sense, and... I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a human. Mm-hmm. I make mistakes, and things I don't understand scare me. And I don't understand Christian Yelich's power, and it scares me. He, he has... None of his numbers match up. Mm-hmm. None of his numbers say, oh, this guy's a serious power threat. He hits a lot of line drives, which is good, but it's not a power threat. He's, he's hitting, like, something absurd, like 65% of his fly balls are home runs. Mm-hmm. That's not going to keep up.
0: Did you see Joey Gallo finally hit a sacrifice fly? <laughs> He's been in the league how long, and he finally hits a sacrifice. He either hits it out of the park, or he misses the ball completely.
1: Hey, there's, there's, a, there's a first time for everything. Joey, Joey Gallo Joey, finally did it. Another Joey, Joey Votto, just popped up for the fir- to first base for the first time <laughs> in his career. It's, I'm Joe, still
0: waiting for him to Botto? start getting it going. Yeah.
1: I don't think Votto has to get it going as much, because they have so many guys that can do it behind him now.
0: Yeah, but for his standards. Yeah. He's kind of down how for Joey Votto's standards. How old is he now? That's about early, mid-30s, something she only, like that.
1: He only had, what, 12 home runs last year, 15?
0: Something like that.
1: Yeah, what happened to him? I know.
0: Tell you what, uh, before we sign off, the NCAA announced that they're going to do something different. They have announced that they are going to start hosting, and they're going to try this out on an experimental basis. The next few years, we will see all three divisions of college basketball, Division One, Two, II, and 3 The championships will be played at the same site, which is different it's something that they haven't done in the past next year's final four for all three divisions one two and three will be played in atlanta and then in 2023 they're gonna do the same thing with the women's basketball final four in dallas i I kind of like this move
1: yeah Yeah. yeah i think it shows that they're not favoring or they're trying to show that they're oh we don't favor anybody right they're, they're like all of our athletes are special to us in their own way they all get the same sort of treatment so i like it i think it's a good move sure
0: division 3 doesn't make the money that ohio state they can't and even usc do i know to division III. i know but that that's what i mean is they're just trying to make it look like they are you know they care about everybody mm-hmm. you know and i and i do like this move because division 3 athletes there's some talent there's some fun guys to watch and oh, once yeah. in a while you get one or two to you know, do something special and move on to the professional hey, level, maybe. In,
1: you know, my alma mater, Chapman University, we mm-hmm. did just get a guy, Jeremiah McKibbins, who I think made the practice squad for an NFL team. So. Okay. You know, sometimes you can't handle stardom at a D3 school.
0: I had a few Chapman guys on Duluth this year.
1: Yeah, was Hayden Shenfield. Shenfield yeah. was
0: on there. He was a lot of fun. He ended up probably being the most consistent guy was, to loot that.
1: Did, Yeah, he was one of the leaders in strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that guy. Shenfield I, well, was good. The, the year before, I was play-by-play for the Orange County Riptide, and he yep. was on that team. Yeah,
0: Christian Cosby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well,
1: he got drafted too. He, I was
0: on the bus. We were on the bus to, uh, I think, Waterloo for a game this summer when he got the call that he was drafted by the Royals. So it was a cool moment for him.
1: Uh, Christian Cosby was well, the guy. He was an outfielder. And then was just, he really? Yeah, he was an outfielder at Chapman. And then all of a sudden they were like, hey, you're going to pitch.
0: Well, I mean, he throws 96. I mean, you got to yeah. put him on the mound. Oh, man. I, I still can't believe that that we had met once before, and he was just in passing, didn't recognize it, and then here we are, small world.
1: I know, very much so.
0: Tell you what, that is it for us on this episode of the Sports Pen. As always, appreciate you tuning in. You missed any part of the show. You can hear it on demand. With our free mobile app, which you can get from the Apple iStore app or Google Play, just search ESPNUP. Appreciate you as always, my man. Anything you want to plug in ABC10 before we sign off? Hey,
1: man, just check out the show. It's always a good time.
0: Always a good time at ABC10. Yeah, have a lot of fun with what you're doing. The Monday minutes, enjoy those. Oh, thank you. Yeah. so you do watch. I do watch. Yeah, you're thank bad. you, man. That's it for us once again. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow night we will have coverage of the NFL draft here on ESPN-UP. We'll carry the broadcast the first three rounds Thursday and Friday. Thanks for tuning in to the Sports fan For John Michael Hoefling, I'm Tanner Hoops.